Since the very beginning of GopherCon, Brian and I have always wanted to ensure that our speaker lineup was kind of composed of, we didn't want to play favoritism and, and things like that. So we created a system where basically we do blind CFP. So, you know, there's anywhere between, um, some years I think we've had eight people. I think some years we've had as many as close to 20 reviewers. Is that where people have to submit the CFP in Braille? <laughs> submit it in Braille? Yeah, a blind <laughs> process, no? Uh, no, yeah. no, more, more like statistical blinding God, of data. We're going to get oh. a lot of calls on that one, Matt. <laughs> Don't have a phone. Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean's developer cloud makes it simple to launch in the cloud and scale up as you grow. They have an intuitive control panel, predictable pricing, team accounts, worldwide availability with a 99.99 uptime SLA and 24-7, 365 world-class support to back that up. DigitalOcean makes it easy to deploy, scale, store, secure, and monitor your cloud environments. Head to do.co slash changelog to get started with a $100 credit. Again, do.co Let's do it. It's go time. Welcome to Go Time, your source for diverse discussions from around the Go community. We're gearing up for GopherCon. Get your tickets and join our three sessions over the lunch hour on November 11th through the 13th. We're doing some fun technical and non-technical interviews, plus our trivia game show. Don't call it Jeopardy. We call it Go Panic, and we think you're going to love it. Speaking of GopherCon, here we go. Hello, and welcome to Go Time. I'm Matt Ryer. Today we're talking about GopherCon. GopherCon was the first Go conference, which I was lucky enough to go to in 2014. And now it's the biggest in the world and has inspired lots of other GopherCons around the globe. Or if you prefer, along on top of the flat earth, for those believers. Um, today we're joined by one of the creators of GopherCon and the king of the lightning talks, or Thor's jester, as I like to call him. It's Eric St. Martin and Mark Bates. Hello, gentlemen. I'm hey, trying to figure out who's who. <laughs> You'll bet you're Mark. You should know who you are. That's one of the things, one of the stipulations for being on the show. If you'd... Wait a minute. Hang on. Let me check my script. <laughs> so we're trying something a little fun here, too. Like, So I'm actually pushing this thing to Twitch. I don't know who's listening, but uh, we'll so, probably get some viewers there, too. I'll, I'll try to read in chat uh, as I see it, too. Yeah, great. So this is multi-platform. <laughs> is it concurrent and scalable? <laughs> Probably, knowing us. I'm going to drop the link in the GoTime chat too. So if people actually want to see like our mugs while we do this. Oh, mm. whoa, 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 really? Well, it's Twitch, isn't it? L let me go put some clothes on. Hang on. <laughs> no, please. <laughs> I've, I've already sold seats for people to see you without the mug. <laughs> <laughs> All they're going to see is my bright, shining mug with my nice Go Community t-shirt. Yeah. You look good, though, mate. Thank you. Well, you know, uh, 
let's look. We should be talking about GopherCon, but uh, I'll tell you why. You know, I look good. It's GopherCon mm-hmm. this year has a really great because it's a virtual conference. We're going to get into that. Um, but one of the really great things they've decided to do is they're instead of giving their speakers some sort of gift, they're actually working one on one with their speakers to look at their entire environment for lighting, sound, and everything, uh, my camera, just to make their visual presentation and audio presentation so much better on the conference. Wow. And then they're shipping that gear to each speaker around the world um, to, so that they can have just wonderful conditions. So these are my GopherCon lights that they sent me. I just set them up for this call. So I'm, I'm very excited. So I, I think it's going to be really fun just based off of that alone. Um, but anyway, That's so amazing. Yeah, it's a really great idea. It's a yeah. virtual conference. Why not make everybody look and sound good? And they're literally doing it every single person. They're not just sending one solution to everybody, mm. right? So I think that we we make assumptions sometimes, right, about people's knowledge about things, right? So just because you're speaking yeah. doesn't necessarily mean you're familiar with lighting and all of these things, like right, like I've got key lights and everything here and all of that stuff. So I think it's important to try to help our speakers adapt to the new climate too, right? Like try to help them learn a little bit about audio and lighting and cameras. And so our producer has been kind of meeting with each one, making recommendations based on, you know, if they already have a good mic, then let's talk about your lighting, right? And so, yeah, we've been sending, making recommendations for gear and sending gift cards to all of our uh, speakers to be able to do that. That's amazing. Really cool, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, that speaks to, I think, the kind of attention to detail that you get with GopherCon. And when you're an attendee of a conference like GopherCon, everything kind of just feels effortless. And I suppose that's the point, is it's meant to be a good show for people. But there's a tremendous amount of work that goes on behind the scenes, which we'll get to. But I'd love to, first of all, hear a little bit about the history of GopherCon and, you know, where the idea came from originally and what it was like that first time. Because it was back in 2014, wasn't it, Eric? May of 2013 is when yeah. we, when we, Brian and I first came up with the uh, idea. I still have my GopherCon pint glass hmm. from that conference. And it's, well, it's all faded. You, it no longer has any color, but it does say 2013. I don't think so, mate. It was 2014, yeah. the first one. No, 2013, wasn't it? Eric no, just said t- 2013. So, no, so 2013 is when we started planning. 2014 oh, okay. is, was the very first event. Yeah, it's, so it's rubbed <laughs> off his pint glass, and that's where he stores a lot of his information. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so Brian and I worked together at a company, and 2011 was roughly when I started using Go. So, for a couple of years, we had both been kind of going to tech conferences for other technologies we used and kind of complaining about the fact that there wasn't one for Go. And then it was sometime April or so, April or May of 2013, where I think it was one of the members of the Denver Gophers meetup group was talking about like, we really need a Go conference. And Brian and I are both like, we've been saying that. So that tweet went out and they were basically like, you guys should do it. And Brian and I, you know, had a conversation in his office and we're like, I mean, how hard could it be, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it, it turns out it turns out very hard, but yeah, we we decided to put up some money for it and sign some contracts that would not end well if people didn't show up. It was really interesting because we had no idea how many people would show, right? Like there hadn't been an in-person event yet for something like that, so it was kind of 
Like if we got two or 300 people in a room, we were going to like be mind blown. And the, the tickets were really cheap, if I remember. They were like two, 250, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That goes back to the, the how hard could it be thing. You're right, like, yeah. I mean, how expensive could it really be, right? <laughs> and then it turns out coffee Very? is $75 a gallon. You yeah. Know? Wow. I remember them being just dirt cheap comparatively to conferences in general back then. Yeah, it was fun. It was a fun conference. Yeah, it ended up being 700 plus people, almost 750 the first year. Yeah, all in one big room. <laughs> you remember, it was just one single room, one track yeah. conference. Yeah. Yeah. I was really surprised with how fast it grew. And then year two was right around 1,200 people. And then, uh, then it was right around 15. Well, I have the numbers had- here, actually, Eric. Yeah. Because you're, you're getting them wrong. <laughs> Um, 20, so in, in, in 2014, 778, and then yep. up to 1,015, 1,100. Yeah, and sign is kind of growing. And then this year would have been, um, according to Heather, uh, this would have been over 2,000 um, in-person people. Um, yeah, it was gearing up to be huge this year yeah. in Florida. We had a lot of just amazing speakers and content in the facilities. It was going to be... Definitely the largest. And most of the gophers were going to be located on site together in one hotel too. Right. Which would have been really fun. I mean, it would have been a super spreader event, but boy, it would have been fun. (laughs) (laughs) So when we talk about like the work then that goes in, what were the big surprises that first year when you did the organizing of this, Eric? There's a lot of coordination with speakers that take place, especially if like you want to be involved in all of that. Mm. And um, sponsors is a lot of work too, not just in the, in the kind of trying to acquire sponsors, but trying to facilitate the perks and things like that. There was a lot of work in there. You know, there's things you don't really understand, like banquet event orders and all of these things that go in and kind of considering dietary restrictions. And, you know, sometimes you might have to like facilitate using external kitchens and things like that. So there's a lot of stuff there that I don't think we realized in the beginning. I don't think we realized even contractual stuff sometimes too about the fact that if you don't sell the hotel rooms that you blocked, like you pay for them. (laughs) So if we say a thousand people are coming and we book rooms for a thousand people and 500 people show (laughs) up, they take their rooms back, but we still pay for those 500. So... Yeah, that's the one of the biggest gutches or overheads in conference planning. Hmm. It's those rooms. That's where they get you. Yeah. Because it's such a big liability just sitting there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you just you're hoping and relying on the community to to fill that so you don't lose tens of thousands of dollars on these rooms. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So all of us are terrified because all of you <laughs> like to book your hotel rooms at the last minute. So we look at like this several hundred thousand dollars that we are going to owe up into the last minute. Thank you very much. (laughs) And while we're at it, get your CFPs in earlier than the last day. (laughs) Yeah. There are like a series of things that you hear conferences asking people to do and you sort of never really think about it. But yeah, it's that. It's get your talks in early. Don't just submit them on the last day. But of course, if you give people a deadline, <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. Well, and things like, you know, you don't, uh, a lot of people don't think or consider what does registration mean for the conference organizers? 
Mm. You know, um, when you get there, they often offer, you know, kind of off-peak times to do registration sometimes, usually the day before or whatever. And try and take advantage of those because that kind of not only makes it quicker for you to get in and out, but also kind of makes that kind of flattens that curve of a rush of people at 8 a.m. coming in and trying to do it and try to get there early. Like try not to wait till five minutes before the keynote rushing in and just, you know, having this huge wave of people assaulting the staff, you know, it's it's hard to do to take care of that many people, especially 2000 people. Imagine checking in 2,000 people. Like, that's, it's a lot for them. <laughs> yeah, we don't want the attendees to be DDoSing the conference. So <laughs> yeah. spread it out. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. Like the CFP stuff, you know, we get about 300 proposals a year, and 290 of them are submitted in the last 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, typical of every single conference. Mm. And I think we've talked about, we've definitely talked about that and the benefits of submitting earlier. A lot, but let's get back to the conference. So I have been fortunate to have been to every single GopherCon. Me too. <laughs> I should hope so. Uh, and since year two, I've been fortunate to be a part of GopherCon, which has been so, so wonderful. And, you know, we want to talk about the organization of GopherCon. And I think, you know, Eric and Brian did... A great job the first year um, for two very inexperienced people. It was this wonderful conference. We were all very excited about it. I couldn't believe how many Ruby people I knew as I was walking through the door. You know, I, I literally pulled up in a cab, got out of the cab, and there was Brian Lyles just standing outside of the building, outside the hotel, you know, and it was just like, wow, I know all these people. It was just this really fun event. Um, but starting year two, like I said, I got to be a part of it. But Year two is when Heather came in, right, Eric? Yeah, so actually, her team was involved year one. We used them for all of the off-site events, speaker dinner, right. after party, things like that. And then um, year two, they took over some of the logistical components of the venue and all of that stuff. So it's been kind of like a progressive relationship where each year they've kind of taken on more and more uh, for Brian and I, which has been insanely helpful because I think if we had to put in the amount of work <laughs> that we did the first year or two, um, I don't think that we would still be doing it or at least yeah. also being engineers at the same time. <laughs> uh, and, and not losing your mind either. Cause it's, it's such a crazy job. You know, you watch and you know, we work with uh, Heather and convention designs um, and they do all of this work and you watch Heather at a facility and it's amazing, you know, so you walk around and your Wi-Fi is working at GopherCon, you know, that's not an easy task. <laughs> Anybody who's ever organized a conference knows what the conference Wi-Fi is a desperate pleading task. But like Heather rides that she makes sure she wants that to be good. You know, they, you talked about the food earlier, right? I mean, what, what was it last year? Seven different uh, options. Yeah, Some, yeah. Something like that. It was like seven or eight different food options. You know, there's so much involved in all of this. And when you get there and it looks so gorgeous and slick and beautiful and just seamless, you got to know that there's people like Heather and all of convention designs and Eric and Brian and Matt and me and all the CFP people. It just, there's like, it takes a lot more people than you think. It, dozens it would. of people yeah. involved in this conference every single year. The workshops, you know, that's not including the workshop instructors or the, the speakers. That's just the people who are 
<laughs> doing all the legwork in the background. Um, you know, and it's been very different this year, I would say, wouldn't you, Eric? Yeah, it's definitely been a learning experience and, and trying to adapt and a lot of scrambling, right? Because, um, you know, in the beginning we had, uh, contractual obligations and everything. We, we had planned to hold an in-person event. So, you know, kind of the first stage was figuring out how do we move past all of that and postpone it and all of this. This is like, you know, when, when COVID first started coming out and we're kind of hanging out, seeing what's, what's happening, you know, you're getting kind of conflicting things about what's going to happen. This is, you know, March. Mm -hmm. And then, so there was a lot of struggle there and just legalities of, you know, um, contracts we're in and deposits we've made and things like that. And then we managed to shift it. And then, you know, obviously that didn't happen. So then we're, we're going through the same process again. And then it's like, okay, well, how do we do like completely online, which is a whole new world too, right? Like we're, we all do online things, but trying to do an online event is like a whole other challenge. So yeah, it's been, it's been interesting and in trying to figure out how to recreate what we have in person. And I think GopherCon, you know, my opinion is biased. I think GopherCon is a very special event. And, uh, you know, how do, how do we recreate that? And, you know, I think the answer is probably that we can't, right? <laughs> we can do the best we can, but it's, it's, it can't be the same exact thing. And we have to kind of rethink what an online version of it would look like and not how do we take GopherCon and put it online, right? Yeah, it's definitely going to be different, isn't it? And it's got a different name, hasn't it? Or is this just a sort of It's It's hashtag, just sort of like a hashtag, yeah. 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 It's Go something I said con. one time and, and Heather loves it, so she uses the branding <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. How is it going to be different then? I mean, obviously, we're not all going to be co-locating and being in the same place, which is a big part of conferences, isn't it? So we do lose something by yeah. taking this online. And that's, that's, I think, the difficulty, right, is I think when we look at online content, it's never going to be the same, right? So when we go to an in-person event, all of us are, we're, we're essentially clocking out from work, from life, and we're moving somewhere, and then we're kind of just fully immersed in it, right? But when we think about taking that and moving it to online content, it's not the same, right? We're all going to be distracted. None of us is probably going to get, the, well... Well, I, I guess I wouldn't say I'd have the day off either, right? I'm going to have a lot to do. But nobody's really going to have the day off, right? They're going to have it on a second monitor. And they're going to be kind of like half in, half out. You know, and that's just sort of the nature of this type of, of world. So I think it's just kind of accepting that that's the way it is, that people won't be able to be 100% in and trying to create as many opportunities as we, as we can for interactions uh, between people. And so we're still exploring how to do all of that, right? So there's obviously going to be like all of the online content um, that's part of like the, the ticketed attendance that people will see. And of course, all that content will be released to YouTube later. But we're trying to create kind of areas where people can interact and discuss the things that, um, you know, somebody was speaking at about or do kind of like voice channels in Discord or something for like birds of a feather where you might be able to meet new people. You just drop into a voice channel that's discussing Buffalo or something, right? And then in addition to that... Why would we be discussing some city in New York? <laughs> because <laughs> they invented Buffalo wings. Oh, okay. Then <laughs> never mind. Absolutely. Continue. 
So yeah, and so there's there's some other things we're we're doing too. So we're gonna take the lightning talks and push those to Twitch. So we're gonna open those up to basically everybody. And then uh, I've been kind of chatting with a bunch of like uh, regular Twitch streamers that do ghost stuff too. So we're gonna hopefully try to create uh, a hallway track where you know if you want to just go hang out in a chat and watch people code and kind of pop in and pop out and. You know, what are you working on? Explain this bit of code for me and things like that. Mm. You know, they're, they're not the same interactions, but they are new types of interactions that, you know, we're, we're kind of learning. And, and not, I don't just mean we as GopherCon, but even we as people, right? Like, I never realized how much I relied on interactions that I had while out at conferences and stuff like that mm. until you're, you're stuck at home for months in a room by yourself like this room looks really cool but <laughs> i'm sitting here by myself you know <laughs> and so some of these things right you look for some of those interactions and and sitting in chat and slack you know it's interaction but it's not quite the same but you know in recent months i've actually found kind of relief in going and hanging out in twitch chats and it's like sitting there watching somebody code, having a conversation with them while they're doing it and stuff like that. It's, you know, it's not the same thing, but it, it kind of fills a hole that's there. And so I think, how do we, how do we create new interactions? How do we create some interactions to get some of that back? Obviously it's never going to be 100%, right? Yeah. I mean, it's funny because a virtual conference is going to be more like your day job. Whereas like you say, when you go to a conference is it's a completely different thing. But could that be advice to the attendees? Could it be that you recommend clocking off and properly take the day off, be out of touch, like you might be if you were at a conference? I guess you could. But I mean, the likelihood that any of us are going to do that, right? Like lots of us have families and things like that. So even being clocked in isn't being clocked in, right? We're mm. all kind of trying to find a new normal. And so mm. I think we have to accept that even if you got the day off for the conference, the likelihood that you're you're not going to have to break away to to help kids with schoolwork or or meals or things like that, it's it's just it's going to be different, and and we 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 adapt. Hmm. But yeah, the, I think I think the clocking out and like this just being my thing is is probably not going to be the way people consume the conference, and even just you know like. Sitting in front of the computer is exhausting, right? Like often we're, we're energized by the people around us, right? Like right. any type of event, right? Like you can be dead tired and go to a sporting event or concert and then just find energy from the people around you. And, you know, me sitting here in this room in front of a computer for eight hours watching people talk to me virtually, I, I'm not going to get the same energy. It's going to, it's going to get tiring, you know, um, mm. eventually I'm going to walk away. So, Yeah. So, I, you know, we're speaking of ways for the community to interact. Eric, do you mind if I make a little bit of an announcement about what we're doing yeah, at GopherCon? Yeah. Oh, breaking so, news. Breaking news right here on GopherCon. Uh, Gopher Time, whatever the show's called. <laughs> yeah, Gopher Time, yeah. Gopher Time. <laughs> Mark doesn't listen to the show. <laughs> it's not his cup of tea. I thought we were on the Ross podcast for the first 15 minutes, to be honest. So, um, who am I to judge? I thought I came in late to that podcast. Uh, so every year we do the GopherCon band, which is such, uh, for me, one of my highlights. Uh, I just love it. You know, we get all these fun people together and we all get up on stage and we play music and usually there's a big party and again, talk about, uh, Heather going above and beyond last year in San Diego. 
we had the GopherCon band and the party on the deck of a battleship. It was a, a, a what do you call it? A aircraft carrier. Aircraft, aircraft carrier. carrier. Thank you. Like, how amazing was that? Hmm. It was just like blown away. It, and they had like the, the gopher projected behind the band on like on the ship and stuff. Like we always try to find ways to like one up ourselves and eventually you're going to run out. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 yeah. It was, uh, we had some fun plans too for this year in Florida, but unfortunately everything being the same. So we were talking about what we can do this year. We are doing, um, like I said, an hour of zoom of, of zoom calls. <laughs> Lord, God help me. Uh, we're doing an hour of lightning talks each day and we're going to, like Eric said, we're going to stream them live to everyone. So even if you don't have a conference ticket, um, you are welcome to join us for that hour and watch the live lightning talks. And Eric can talk a little bit about, you know, where you can find those and how that's going to work. Um, but as for sign up, what we're really hoping to do, uh, cause that's a big question people have every year. How do I sign up for lightning talks? Um, we're going to try to make it a little more, I don't know, kind of give it more of an in-person feeling. So what we're going to kind of do is one of the biggest problems we have with lightning talks is the technical you know, logistics, getting laptops and microphones and all that stuff to work, right? And I can't tell you how many hours I've spent tap dancing on stage while, <laughs> while they fix somebody's, you know, computer to work with the projector, right? I think Mark breaks them on purpose. Just yeah. just, <laughs> just to, to get more stage time. I'm Why always wearing tap shoes. <laughs> oh, oh, the laptop's not working again. What a surprise. Oh, good. He's got his tap shoes with him. Yeah, now I'm going to have to learn how to tap. Yeah, you should. If you can't already, you should. I think that's clearly the next uh, the next evolution of Mark Bates is the tap dancing <laughs> Mark Bates. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to try and do a kind of first come, first serve on lightning talks. So, mm. you know, you show up, you get into the room and, you know, your AV hopefully should be connected and you're going to, we'll just build up a queue. So you got to get there early for each of the days and we're going to just kind of go through them as fast as we can, just like regular lightning talks. We're cutting people off at seven minutes, uh, just like we did before. We're going to give warnings at one minute. They, all the rules that we normally have for our regular in-person lightning talks, we're doing the same thing. And like I said, we're trying to use that, like, go line up on the side of the stage by the stairs approach for uh, the lightning talks themselves. So come with your laptop ready, open your slides, <laughs> ready to go, and virtually stand in line by the side of the stage and we'll call everybody up seven minutes at a time. It should be fun. Mm. Yeah. So that's very different to the main content or the main talks that we see at a conference. And I'm always quite interested in this. How do you select the talks? Because the thing is, the conferences particularly go for... We use a chicken system. We, chicken we lay the numbers system. out on a field right. and a chicken kind of goes along and just picks at them. Right. And that's the speaker. Speaker selector. Yeah. Yeah. So since the very beginning of GopherCon, Brian and I have always wanted to ensure that our speaker lineup was kind of composed of, we didn't want to play favoritism and, and things like that. So we created the system where basically we do blind CFP. So, you know, there's anywhere between um, some years, I think we've had eight people. I think some years we've had as many as close to 20 reviewers. Is that where people have to submit the CFP in Braille? <laughs> submit it in Braille? Yeah. Blind <laughs> process. No? Uh, no, yeah. no. More, more like statistical blinding of God, data. We're going to get oh, a lot okay. of calls on that one, Matt. 
<laughs> don't have a phone. Yeah, so, so basically you submit the proposal and mm. it's wiped of any personal data. We don't know who you are or anything about mm. you. And then there's, you know, a series of reviewers who will review it based on its technical merit. And so if you are submitting a proposal, you have to remember that, right? Somebody, the only thing they know about you is, and your content and your knowledge on that subject is what you give us. If you give us three sentences that says, I'm going to talk about Buffalo or whatever. I'm going to just keep picking on Buffalo today. Uh, excuse um, me. That was an exact <laughs> submission from this year. Almost verbatim. I don't appreciate your breaking my, my anonymity here. So you're, you're going to end up with a bunch of people who are like, well, I, I don't know, right? I don't know whether they're going to be able to write good content about this. I don't know how well they know the subject matter and it's going to get rated poorly, right? So I think it's important to make sure that, you know, somebody who knows nothing about you or anything um, would be able to read that and gauge how well you're going to be able to present this topic. Um, so after that, we take roughly the top third of submissions that are rated, and then we unblind it. And then um, we have, you know, a, a panel of people, the program chair and Brian and myself and stuff like that. Then we'll we'll sit down with that and try to formulate that into a diverse kind of lineup. And when I say diverse, I, I also mean subject matter, right? Like the top three talks could be all one thing. They could all, there could be five highly rated GRPC talks. And you're like, well, this isn't a GRPC conference. So it's quite often the case too. It's usually hot technology of the day and there's five or yeah, six right. all bunched together. Mm. So, yeah. So we'll do stuff like that and, you know, make sure that the, it's fair in a sense that, you know, we don't have eight speakers all from the same company or, you know, we have content that's targeted both towards beginners to the language as well as more advanced content. And so we try to, to finagle a program uh, out of that. Mm. Whatever the process is, it really works because I always find that every talk I've been to, even on subjects where I don't have a particular interest or knowledge or anything, I find the talks to just always be of a really high quality. So there's testament to that process, I would say. Yeah, and I think it's also important to um, do a couple of things. So the other thing we agreed upon to help with with this is that like all speaker costs would be paid for, right? I think that's important because if companies are paying for you to to travel, you only get people submitting who work for companies that will send them or yeah. have the money to, to, to send themselves. Right. So that like reduces it. Plus you also get, you know, a lot of companies, this has gotten better in recent years, but it used to be really bad. Like companies want ROI. So they'd send you to speak at a conference. And so, yeah, I think it, it opens it up to a broader community. I think it allows mm -hmm. them to control their own messaging and not kind of be beholden to ROI on the company that sent them and all of those things. Yeah. And, and from a personal note, I, I've attended quite a few conferences where they have provided no speaker support at all. Just none. No right. flights, no hotels, nothing. I went to one conference that made me pay to be part of the speaker dinner. I think I went to that one. You did? Well. Yeah. You were also at that one. It was really we, expensive as well. It was 25 euros, yes. Um, well, it was, yeah, anyway, we're not going to get into that. But <laughs> um, but GopherCon has always treated their speakers just, just wonderfully and really have made sure that they don't need to worry about anything like that, like getting there and being there and 
you know, any of the special circumstances that sometimes arise with speakers too. Mm. I mean, we try to leave stuff in their hotel room for them, like little care packages and notes. And oh, there's always a nice little gift bag. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's know. important, right? Especially for first time speakers, you show up somewhere, you're, you know, very, very nervous. You don't know how things are going to go. Sometimes you don't even know anybody, right? So I think it's kind of nice to get back to your hotel room. You're tired, you know. Yeah. No, it's it's wonderful. And like I said, this year they're taking care of all the speakers by giving them, you know, equipment to actually make their virtual presence even better. We talked about it right at the beginning yeah. of the show here. It's theirs to keep. It's theirs to keep. You know, this isn't they're not sending it and making them return it. They're sending them lights, they're sending them microphones, they're sending them whatever they need to make their forty five minutes or twenty minutes, whatever amount of time they get the best it can be. And that benefits both the speaker and it benefits the conference and it benefits the whole community. Mm. Um, when you, you know, put the level of detail into the conference that, you know, um, that they do, it really makes a difference. And anybody who's ever been to GopherCon can definitely attest to that. Mm. Well, aren't you running the risk of ruining other conferences though, by making it too good? <laughs> That's why I'm here. Yeah, you balance it out. I balance it out. I bring it down a little bit. This is kind of a hot take, but aren't they kind of ruining themselves? (laughs) Hey, oh. (laughs) Wow. And there are some conferences. I'm not engaging in that. I'm I'm not very happy with the way they're run, but Mm. yeah. What's up, nerds? Have you ever seen a problem and thought to yourself, I bet I could do it better? Our friends at Equinix agree with that. Equinix is the world's digital infrastructure company, and they've been connecting and powering the digital world for over 20 years now. They just launched a new product called Equinix Metal. It's built from the ground up to empower developers with low latency, high performance infrastructure anywhere. We'd love for you to try it out and give them your feedback. Visit metal.equinix.com slash changelog, get $500 in free credit to play with, plus a rad t-shirt. Again, metal.equinix.com slash changelog, get $500 in free credit. Equinix Metal, Bill Freely. a question on twitter earlier twitter's a website where you post little tiny messages and people can reply correcting you and or giving you hate isn't that the telegraph <laughs> i thought we weren't have any political commentary no oh god what a terrible british joke oh yeah <laughs> well i had a message from i think his name's graham orinium orsinium his name's Graham Orsinium, which does sound like a precious metal from the periodic table. And he was saying that he came from Python to Go, and the community there has initiatives like Pi Ladies and Django Girls and, and things that focus on uh, uh, diversity and making sure that you know uh, opportunities are open to everyone. This is something that I remember hearing from that very first GopherCon. There was a big emphasis on making sure that uh, people that otherwise wouldn't be represented at conferences did get represented. So where did that come from, Eric? And um, how effective has has it been to have that sort of focus? I think that came from just basic human decency, right? (laughs) Like, we all need to do a better job at this, right? And so 
I actually kind of would like to take this opportunity. Like, I know that we do a lot for diversity initiatives, and it's something that's very, very important to us. But I also don't want to take this opportunity to like pat ourselves on the back either, because I think as a conference, we still have a lot more that we can do. And I think even as a tech community, we have even more that we still need to do, right? So I think that we need to keep iterating. We keep need to keep getting better about this. And I think we need to keep making it a priority. Yeah. And we need to, you know, if you haven't already, go and check out uh, things like GoBridge. Yeah. Um, um, if, you're, yeah. if you're looking to make a and difference. Women and women who go. Well, they've merged. So, yeah. I mean, check out both, but hmm. they've merged. Uh, you about one thing I, you know, I am notorious for, <laughs> for touting these t-shirts. But I'm going to tout them again. If you can see me, you can see that I'm wearing a, a community Go community T-shirt. It's an Ashley Simpson original. <laughs> um, and if you go to womenwhogo.threadless.com, you can buy really nice, high-quality T-shirts like this that have these all these amazing Ashley McNamara designs like all over them. And they're you know twenty twenty five dollars, and the money all goes to Women Who Go. Um, and it's a really fun way to to add to your wardrobe. I get comments on my T-shirts. All the time, hmm. people like just all the time. Go, oh, I love your shirt. Where did you get it? And of course, they have no idea what the Go community is. But Ashley did such an amazing job with logos and you know the Gopher. Um, so go and get some. It's a great way to kind of stock up, add a little bit to your wardrobe. Um, you know, wear them. I wear them at conferences all the time. You know, you're not gonna. Uh, not only you're not gonna upset anybody, but hopefully you're going to actually encourage people to get more of these shirts and help these great initiatives and. And that stuff helps, but comes back and helps all these people go to GopherCon and all sorts of great stuff. Did you see the esports jerseys? <laughs> yes. They look very cool, actually. I'm not sure they suit me, but they look very cool. I'm going to be wearing one like every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do like your t-shirt, actually, Mark. Um, Thank you. Just for the viewers, we don't know what's on the bottom. But, you know, that focus of GopherCon having that diversity focus in the beginning, because GopherCon has been such a big, has big influence on the Go community. And I think it can take some credit for the fact that we do have a lot of diversity in the Go community. Of course, as we say, you know, there's more that we can do there. But I hear a lot of people telling me that, you know, particularly the Go community just feels kind of different it feels better because it makes that effort and i do think gophercon gets to take a bit of that credit it was very early and it was mentioned a lot in that first conference i feel like it planted a lot of seeds there that have flourishing now into beautiful trees of all different types wow that analogy broke down really hard did, at the end, it? Didn't yeah. It? yeah yeah yeah, yeah it pretty did, hard yeah. Uh, the editors will put a better analogy <laughs> in for me. Yeah, if, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're good. Yeah, they're but, good like that. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's important to to do this stuff. And yeah, we continue to iterate. It's important. And, you know, I think some of this comes from, like, I guess the Ruby community too, right? Mark, you, you know this too, right? Like, yeah. everybody used to say, you know, like, the Ruby community is nice because Matt's is nice, right? So I think it's important that, if you put people first, you, you put the attendees first, you put the speakers first, and you make sure that they are all taken care of, I think they in turn treat other people the same way. And you kind of kickstart this whole process of, of you know, everybody learning how, how we interact with each other. If the people at the top, whether that be the people on the language team itself, the core team, whether that be 
you know, to, to people who run conferences, if they are hostile and or they just don't care, right? Mm. I think that that triggers the way we treat each other. And yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for all that, because I think it does make a big difference. I hear people tell me that too. So uh, another um, response that we had on Twitter is from Paul Burt Pizza Emoji. And Paul was talking, he mentions that, you, you know, you, you're doing a lot of rust lately, Eric. So uh, although this is go time, I'd love to hear kind of your views on rust uh, and what you've been doing with it. And also, you know, if, how it's better than go in your eyes and where it's not. And does it, does it tie into GopherCon in any way? It, yeah, <laughs> yes to all of those questions. That last question, though, is so, so obviously he knows something. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> um, when a really bad TV interviewer says, so, uh, did anything happen to you on the way to the studio? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> all of you, um, you all can, because we're on a Zoom call, and anybody who's watching this on Twitch can, can see behind me. I've got like an electronics desk back, back here. So um, Rust is something I've been wanting to learn to do some of embedded stuff, to try and do embedded stuff on there. Uh, but we've had some projects at work kick up um, that use Rust. Uh, so one of those is like a Kubernetes node agent that basically pretends to be a node in the cluster and orchestrates WebAssembly to hosts and stuff like that. So, so you've broken my brain. <laughs> yeah, so... You lost me at WebAssembly. WebAssembly can have like some really, really unique... <laughs> that was at the end, Mark. Se security. Sorry, okay, then you lost me at the beginning. <laughs> so if we think about a container, right... We have to secure it after the fact. Whereas WebAssembly, we kind of get to rethink that where it automatically has no permissions and you have to allow every call. Right. And so we can kind of have like this actor thing. And, and each of those abilities can be cryptographically signed. So Matt, you could have permissions to give applications this role to run this things. And Mark, you could have this. And so each person would have to sign that for that to happen. So Rust has really, really good WebAssembly support. Uh, so that's why we were doing that. I can't really take credit for that project. We jumped in and helped with a couple of things, built a really funny demo uh, where we basically recreated the scene from The Martian where <laughs> Matt Damon's stuck on Mars and he can't communicate. And I built like this robotic arm that would like point to flags and stuff <laughs> like that. It was really funny. So that's probably what he's referring to. I we think didn't need to plant potatoes in poo for that, Eric. You we did, did not. Anyway. We, we skipped yeah. that, yeah. Oh, I, right. I, already, I already have I that. do that because it's the best thing to do <laughs> with your leftover. Well, when potatoes. you get leftover potatoes in poo, what are you supposed to do with them? So, yeah, so that's probably what he's referring to. I don't know whether mm. any of the other stuff I've been doing, unless you follow me on Twitch, has been public. I'm really bad about advertising myself, so I don't really, like, post on Twitter or something like that when I, I do stuff on Twitch. But that's what I've been doing for the last month, and it's mm. to solve two problems. So one is uh, Microsoft has, like, a Learn TV, which is basically just, like, linear television with scheduled content, a mixture mm. between videos of a certain theme for the week and, you know, live broadcasts. So that's implemented in this really interesting way, right? It was, it was put together as a prototype very quickly, um, but we're trying to productionalize that and do it differently and um, trying to solve for doing online events. There's a lot of great, in, in all of this, I found that one, people like to charge a crap ton <laughs> of money for online like broadcast things. And it blows right. like $20,000, $50,000. And you're like, this is a pretty UI over Nginx with an RTMB module. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> um, it was actually pretty funny. We, we were like, like 
talking with individual companies about what we were going to use for our platform. And one of them was talking about something. And uh, I think it was Heather or our production person was like, um, you know, we're, we're just evaluating, you know, uh, the, the owners of this, this business will probably just write their own. And the guy's just looking at him like, wait, what? So, <laughs> so flash forward 30 days later and Eric is building his own. Yeah. So, uh, so there's a lot of, so there's a lot of places where you can take content and this gets into a longer discussion about how broadcast works over the internet. But essentially we use one protocol that is very low latency to get our stream somewhere. And then on the other side, that's converted or transmuxed and transcoded into different resolutions that are delivered over HTTP and the CDN. And you have kind of a smart player that fetches that. If you're interested in all of how that stuff works, like ping me on Twitter or, or find me on Twitch because that's all we're streaming. So that part is solved, right? How do I take my content and get lots of viewers to view it all over the world? That's a solved problem. But you're at the broadcast point, you're stuck. So I can send there, but if I go offline to let Mark take over the channel, my stream goes offline, right? right. And there's a lot of weird things like that. So our options for like, how do I switch between people and their streams tend to be like use Zoom or Skype and then like route through somebody's house. And it's just awkward. And I don't like that. And I have uh, sort of a knack for taking on projects I'm totally unqualified to build. <laughs> so um, I decided to tackle that challenge to solve it both for GopherCon, like how do we switch between, you know, go to mm. MC, go to the speaker and all of that stuff while maintaining a linear feed. And then I'll, there's also things I want to do like measure bit rate. And if you drop out, then fall back to a pre-recorded version, like roughly in the same time. And there's oh, a lot of gosh. cool stuff we can do. Mm. So that's sort of what I'm tackling. But you, there's two main libraries that you use for doing that type of stuff. Um, LibAV, which comes from FFmpeg and GStreamer. Both are written in C. I don't want to write C. And all of us have, have also seen enough talks about Seago for me to know that I probably don't want to use Seago for this. Seago is not real go. <laughs> yeah, so, and the bindings are out of date and stuff. So it turned out that uh, GStreamer, the library I chose, uh, has really good Rust bindings written by core developers on the GStreamer team. They're actually writing some of the new elements in it in Rust. Mm. Seemed like the perfect opportunity for that. So that that's, yeah, that's why I'm using that. Mm. But it's been interesting because there's some things I really love about Rust too. Um, I don't love writing HTTP APIs in Rust. It's way more time consuming and I will totally write them and go. But it has some interesting language features that I actually really, really like. I like the borrow checker. What is that? Uh, so the borrow checker basically tracks when memory is used. So if you pass it into a function, you either let the function borrow it for the time that the function executes or you're transferring ownership. So only one piece of code can basically own any given piece of data at any moment in time. So is that about making it thread safe then? Yeah, and so all of it's basically checked at compile time for you. You can't write mm. race conditions because it won't let you give access to this memory to two places without like, you know, wrapping it in, you know, uh, an automatic reference counted uh, type and things like that. Mm. But yeah, looking at what they do for like error handling I really like that. So obviously generics are a thing people have been talking about. I forgot how much I miss generics. But um, they have enum types where each variant of it can actually hold its own data. 
So one variant can just be its thing. One could hold a string, one could hold a struct, one could hold a tuple. And so when you match on these things, you can get the data like contained in that variant. So that's important because the way they handle things like there's, you can't have null, right? Is there's actually an option, it's a generic type, but there's an option enum type where there's a variant that says none and there's some that holds whatever your type is. So when you get the type back, you check to see, hey, is this none or is it some and get the thing out. And then for error handling, there's one called result and it's uh, okay or error, right? And okay might actually contain some generic type, whatever you stored in there. And then Mm. error would return your error. And it's a really, really interesting way you can do that. And then most people will end up using like enums for the error variants so you could match on those too. But yeah. So there's there's a lot of cool stuff in Rust that I, I actually really, really like. Are there other ideas that you think Go should borrow? I know that Rust has borrowed some ideas from Go, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So they, they have channels and um, things like that. They're implemented in, in an interesting way. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly. I think it uses a lot of macro stuff, but um, I'm, I'm obviously not a Rust expert. But yeah, so they exist there. They're just not implemented into the language. But a lot of this is because Rust's whole design is based on zero-cost abstractions. So anything that you use should be just as efficient as if you hand-wrote wrote code. And they, they have the requirement where you should be able to run this without a runtime. So it creates you know, some unique challenges. But that's where you get into kind of like why Rust does things like monomorphism, which is basically um, you use generic types and the compiler generates the code. I see. Oh, cool. Well, I hope if you blog about that or anything, uh, we'd be very interested, Eric. How much time does your team spend building and maintaining internal tooling? I'm talking about those behind the scenes apps, the ones no one else sees, the S3 uploader you built last year for the marketing team, that quick Firebase admin panel that lets you monitor key KPIs, maybe even the tool your data science team hacked together so they could provide custom ad spend analytics. Now these are tools you need so you build them and that makes sense. But the question is, could you have built them in less time with less effort and less overhead and maintenance required? And the answer to that question is yes. That's where Retool comes in. Rohan Chopra, engineering director at DoorDash, has this to say about Retool. Quote, the tools we've been able to quickly build with Retool have allowed us to empower and scale our local operators, all while reducing the dependency on engineering, end quote. Now, the internal tooling process at DoorDash was bogged down with manual data entry, missed handoffs, and long turnaround times. And after integrating Retool, DoorDash was able to cut the engineering time required to build tools by a factor of 10x and eliminate the error-prone manual processes that plague their workflows. They were able to empower backend engineers who wouldn't otherwise be able to build front ends from scratch. And these engineers were able to build fully functional apps in Retool in hours, not days or weeks. Your next step is to try it free at retool.com slash changelog. Again, retool.com slash changelog. We're 
we're already kind of talking about rust. We're already at risk of um, treading upon our next regular section because it's time for unpopular opinions. Unpopular <laughs> opinions. Okay. So, do we have any unpopular opinions? I probably have a lot of them. Which ones are appropriate <laughs> to say, you know, on... Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat. On a medium that's going to exist forever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, I've got a few of them. So, uh, tech-wise, um, full-stack developers are a myth. Hmm. I think that you can find people who can do all of this stuff. But, right, like, I used to be a senior web developer, right? And a junior back-end developer. Now I'm, you know, a principal back-end developer and a junior <laughs> web developer. It's really, really hard to stay up on all of these topics. So as you evolve in one, you're naturally going to fall off in others. So I think it's important to, you know, you may be able to operate on all levels of the stack, but you're not the same level at all levels of the stack. And if you are, you are an amazing human being and you deserve all of the money. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Sorry, I tuned in at the end and I just assumed you were discussing me. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that is an interesting one. Um, and I think, yeah, there's, it's that thing of uh, specializing, you know, um, this, the specializing point, which I think is a, is a good point. Um, okay, Mark, have you got one? I do, actually. Do you? I do. I think as developers we tend to prioritize build over buy. Um, oh, really? And we need to do a lot less of that. <laughs> it's so easy sometimes for us to get caught up in, you know, finish fixing a, a, a problem or coding it ourselves. And, and, you know, and that's great. But sometimes it's also just like, let's just buy. <laughs> let's just, or let's just do this thing. That is, I realize that may seem like I was just hitting Eric but that was not at all what I was thinking. I was actually thinking of something completely different. Um, but yeah, it, for the most cases, we do tend to do that. And I think we need to try to resist that urge a little bit as a developer. Not everything needs to be coded by hand. It's not artisanal code. It's, you know, it's not farm to table Wi-Fi. It's just, <laughs> you know, like, so get out of the business of writing a new text editor. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like we don't need one just write some code is, mm. is that another shot at microsoft <laughs> <laughs> well these are unpopular opinions eric while we're at it let's talk about your hair yeah i don't I like your hair grow it out with me <laughs> <laughs> no uh that's that's it i just you know sometimes uh recently last few weeks i've seen a lot of different things and i've been like oh man we really just need to get better at it mostly from reddit <laughs> leave it there how's that I also don't care for bacon right when you're babysitting bacon it, you're negligent is that what you mean I'm, I mean I'm, you've you seen like you, you've it. met my kids clearly I'm negligent um, <laughs> shot fired like yourself no, it's, it's, it's true they, they're like they, they're like they've been in Jumanji they do at some point I'm gonna have to teach them how to speak <laughs> um, but I'll tell you, you should see them pick the nits out of each other's hair. It's quite fascinating. It's beautiful. It really is. It's something <laughs> to behold. <laughs> no, I just don't see what the fuss is with bacon. It's okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's that's un-American. 
Yeah, it might be it's treason. All right. I'll take sausage over bacon any day. Okay. That's uh that's yeah, that's a real clip. unpopular opinion. How's that? Well, we actually test these now, so the GoTime <laughs> FM Twitter will be putting out a poll on these to find out once and for all if, if they are indeed unpopular. Um, and if they're not unpopular, then the punishment is you have to come back on and do another episode of GoTime with us. And apologize uh, for our unpopular That's why I'm on all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, well, this has been great. Can people st- still get tickets for GopherCon? Yep, yep, they are still available on GopherCon.com. Uh, it's hundred bucks for access to everything. Again, um, videos are going to be released shortly after the conference. So really all you're doing there is helping us seed deposits for the next in-person conference and everything like that. And you get access to, to tons of live content and exclusive content around the conference that you don't get on YouTube later. Yes. And we'll all, we're all going to be hanging out. Go time are doing some special shows some special episodes yeah. Ooh, i'm yeah, excited to do this right yeah. yeah we didn't yeah. should we mention yeah. those really quickly uh you can't can well why do don't you one? talk about them you're the go time person matthew oh well don't give me work oh sorry we can't just <laughs> sit here and be content generating monkeys for you all episode you have to put a little effort in <laughs> you haven't generated a single monkey that is true. At the lunchtime sessions, we're going to be having uh, live go time recordings. And then on the 13th, there's a special, we're going to do a special game show, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. It's nice because, you know, the talks are going to be quite serious and deep and we want to try and bring some levity in the lunchtime sessions. So, so who's um, going to be on the game show? Come on, I want to know. Who are the contestants? You'll have to wait and find out. Oh. It's a surprise. Do they get a prize? Well, we'll see. You have to wait and find a new out. car, <laughs> years worth of turtle wax, something like that. Yeah, I mean, they sound great. They sound like great gifts. I'll trade it in for door number one. <laughs> Behind door number one, go programming blueprints by Matt Ryan. Congratulations, oh. Mark. <laughs> I know you've already bought six of Arr. them. Well, I guess if there's another toilet paper crisis in the <laughs> winter, I'll be all set. <laughs> You but can you know learn what? about Go as as you go. As I go. Go on the go. It's a go new series go. of Matt Ryer-based toilet paper, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to start selling it to him. Go on the go. It's got a picture of Matt and a little piece of Go code next to it. Little, little programming idioms on each. Exactly. Go on the go by Matt Ryer. Yeah. Um, we might have broken Matt, by the way, on that one. I'm so, not quite yeah. sure. But, yeah, so we're going to be doing AMAs and stuff, too. And all of that stuff will actually be open to the general public. Mm. Okay, great. So, yeah, so even if you don't have a ticket, there's plenty, but we won't be able to get a ticket. Turn it into a week ago. Let's all get together, celebrate, you know, as as best as we can, you know, at safe distances. Mm. But let's just turn it into a whole week, not not just for the people who are attending, but for, you know, the broader Go community. Because I know, you know, everybody kind of looks forward to the hype around the conference yeah. and everything. Well, there's usually lots of great announcements and releases and all sorts of great stuff at GopherCon. So it's always a fun time to to be a part of that live, to hear the you know, the Go team do their keynotes and stuff like that live versus waiting a month or just hearing about it on Twitter is always quite fun to if you're really curious as to what's gonna happen. You watch the Apple event today, why not watch Go Time live? Come on. <laughs> uh, but the Apple event's pre recorded from what I could tell. Um and this is not GopherCon's live. There are the talks are pre recorded. They right. kind of have to be, right? Uh, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be. Um, so, so some people can can do live, right? However, not everybody is in places with stable bandwidth connections, right? There's some challenges, yeah. 
GopherCon when it's an in-person conference is that live or are they are they pre-records as well? <laughs> People on stage because they look real. They're hologram. Yeah, it's a hologram. <laughs> it's you know revolutionary new new television. We we record everybody in holographic. Brilliant. Dave Cheney hasn't been there since year two. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a hologram. <laughs> Yeah. Just walking around. It's all like AI generated AI. Dave, Dave Cheney content. Yeah. <laughs> On the block Cheney. Uh, that would be the Chave Daney, by the way, I think. The Chave Daney. Yeah. <laughs> Chave Daney. Is- yeah, so all of these things are, are challenges we have to work through, right? Mm. So, yeah, not everybody, you know, if, if we rely on people having dependable internet and, and all of these things, yeah. and, then we, we further reduce the number of people that we can we can have and the opinions that, you know, can be shared and things like that. So yeah, mm. it's, it's easier to kind of, kind of do that. And, you know, some people, you know, actually prefer it that way. They can do multiple takes and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The quality. Some of us be- love doing it live, right? Some of I, us. I love doing it live. I do not like pre-recording it. Mm. You need, I don't know. I don't, I want that energy, that feeling that there, at least there are hopefully somebody, people are sitting at home listening or watching, even mm. if it's just one or two people. But I like that energy of knowing that there's, that but others don't i guess each their own but the, the lightning talks are going to be yep. live. lightning talks going to be a hundred percent live yeah mm. streamed to everybody at the time so yeah that'll be really fun yeah so anything could happen so because you want a bit of danger don't you that's the thing. exactly yeah that's yeah. why you like the live setting you know it's that danger that you never know what's going to happen but the the, the talks are going to be of the highest quality then for sure and there was not there's not going to be any any sort of live demos that fail or anything like no that. demo yeah. gods this is true bad. how yeah. are we going to get our fix of broken demos <laughs> i mean yeah. we i guess we can hope that somebody just leaves it in right yeah so yeah if you're going to go for con try and take some time off try and dedicate yourself to it i don't know if you're allowed to tie your kids up in your country where you're listening to this from if you are Maybe do that. Give give yourself a break. Mm. Your kids. I might need to check into the laws around Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, check with your local. Is the trunk of the car okay? <laughs> or, or Mark, are we now with accessories? <laughs> mm, maybe. I doubt, can't imagine. Are there any lawyers imagine. listening right now? Are we accessories? <laughs> <laughs> no, all I'm saying is. Now my kids are in the trunk of the car. They're not tied up. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See, Mark, you can always guarantee Mark will say something worse and then lets me off the hook. That's my defense oh, in court. That's your defense? He's worse? Yeah, someone was way worse. <laughs> yeah. Wow, okay. Um, thank well, you. Thank you. Thank, and thanks yeah, so thank much you. for joining us today. Unfortunately, that is all the time. I could just hang out all day here, um, but, you know, it's not appropriate. But thank you so much for, for joining us. And, you know, Eric, thanks all for all your work. Mark, can't wait to watch those live lightning talks. Thank you very much. And we'll see you next time. If you're a fan of GoTime, check this out. Help us spread the word and you could win a free GoTime t-shirt. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, blog about the show, or personally recommend GoTime to a friend and make sure we know about it by emailing GoTime at changeog.com. At the end of October, we'll select all emails, order by random, limit one, and ship you that free shirt. Special thanks to Eric St. Martin for joining us once again on GoTime. Brian wanted to be here too, but he had a last minute emergency to attend to. Have no fear though, get a full dose of both Eric and Brian at GopherCon. Get your tickets today, we're looking forward to it. This episode was hosted by Matt Ryer. It was produced by Jared Santo with music by the Beat Freak, Breakmaster Cylinder. 
Go Time is brought to you by our awesome sponsors. Thanks again to Fastly, Linode, and Rollbar. And don't forget, you can directly support Go Time by joining Changelog++. It's our membership program that gets you closer to the metal, makes the ads disappear, and helps ensure GoTime's continued production into the future. Sign up today at changelog.com slash plus plus. That's all we have for you this week. Next up is the GitHub CLI. Did you know it's written in Go? It is. We talk all about it next week. Next week.